Most wedding pros I know are trying to charge more for your services. Maybe this is one of your goals. If so, keep listening to the Own Your Business podcast because it's about booking more of your ideal clients at those higher price points. But strategies and tactics for sales, pricing, and copywriting are only a few of the skills you'll need to pick up if you want to break into the premium and luxury markets. One of the big areas you have to level up if you want to stay in those elevated markets is your personal brand. Today, I bring on Julian Lieber, also known as the Dapper Diplomat. I had Julian on the podcast a couple years ago to share his success as one of the premier wedding planners in the country, but he's got another side to him that's incredibly helpful for business owners and wedding professionals who want to feel confident about their personal brand. He's actually a certified protocol officer, which means he knows the ins and outs of modern etiquette, which has the ultimate goal of making people around you feel comfortable. As an etiquette expert, Julian helps individuals and teams polish their interpersonal skills in important areas like communication, networking, entertaining clients, and dining. He also offers advice and guidance on grooming and attire for both men and women. Let's be honest, many of you need help in these areas, some of you more than others. If you show up on Instagram or your website not looking like you fit in at the weddings that you work at, you're not going to last long in the luxury market. If you drop 10K on attending a conference like Engage, but don't know how to work a cocktail party or dine with the affluent, you might be wasting your money and time. If you don't know how to style stretch and communicate with different people in different ways to make them feel comfortable, you're losing out on business you could otherwise book. And so many more mistakes that I see. I'm thinking about having Julian on once every few months to talk about your personal brand of the podcast, because if you want to attract the right kind of clients and earn their trust for word of mouth referrals, you have to look, act, and believe that you belong. If you're listening to this episode before Monday, January 15th, and you want to get some specific tactics on how to implement some of these modern etiquette approaches, we've got a free workshop with a replay available if you sign up with the link in the show notes. We'll be going through surprises and delights, personalizing service, communication, and how to act and look on the wedding day. Hope you sign up. For now, enjoy the episode. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Today, I have one of my very best friends, uh, business partners and colleagues, Julian Lever on the Own Your Business podcast. For those of you who don't know, Julian is actually so close to me and Katie that when we invited eight people for our wedding back in November of 2018, it was Julian who officiated and said uh, our vows with us. And uh, it was his now husband, Francisco, who was our quote unquote wedding photographer at the event. Welcome, Julian. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much for having me again. It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, I I know that people are obviously interested in people that we are close with and trust and respect. And clearly, I know you very well, but many of those who are listening do not. Why don't you share a little bit of more relevant background and the fact that you moonlighted as an officiate for our wedding? 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. It's so funny. You are of the groomsmen who were in my wedding. There are three whose weddings I have performed. So, really? so yeah, apparently it's like my side gig, you know? <laughs> um, it's my hustle, you know? Um, but yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm Julian Lieber, and I'm the owner of Julian Lieber Events um, based out of Dallas, Texas. And we do um events in the luxury space both in dallas around the united states and all over the world um i also am a certified protocol officer um with a company that we created called the dapper diplomat and um i received training for that from a company called the washington school of protocol which is the company that actually trains the teams at the state department and the white house and um most generals in the military actually so it's a, it's an interesting uh it was an interesting piece of, of training and it kind of pairs really nicely with my my wedding playing skills you know um a little bit about kind of my back background i have a degree in international studies and negotiation and so i kind of always thought that i was going to go and work for the state department so it's all kind of um dovetailed in this this hybrid situation that I have at the moment. So I, I love the, I love the background certified protocol officer. I mean, it sounds so cool um, to get training like that. You know, knowing that State Department and White House officials, top brass in the military. What kind of things do you do at the Washington School of Protocol? What's the you know what's the 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 agenda for people who attend it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. It's a mix of kind of hands-on training and also just broader etiquette training and and what you should do in situations and how you should treat people. And kind of the hands-on piece is about dining and being really comfortable in those situations, knowing exactly what to do, how to hang a flag correctly, right? I mean, weirder wars have been started over flags being hung upside down. You know, so yeah. oddly, it's the it's the details, you know, which really dovetails so nicely into my wedding planning career because it's all about the details, right? And so, really, that is about the training um, that that you get, kind of the hands on training at the Washington School of Protocol. It's all about how to build um, your own brand and how to guide people through situations that maybe they haven't encountered before. A protocol officer really is the person who briefs an individual at, at usually at the c-suite level or higher as they're going into a meeting with someone from maybe a different culture or from a different country or from a different um kind of a different branch of industry right because there's there's kind of all these different situations where maybe someone at that level doesn't have the wherewithal to know all of those details they need to sit down with someone and understand exactly the situation that they're about to be walking into so that they don't offend or blow up their multi-million dollar business deal well and, and you know as you're talking about it you, you could have left off the beginning of you know c-suite executive and just put couple exactly a hundred percent all couples all families all uh, people involved in planning or paying for a wedding. And that's really what you're doing almost as a wedding planner, right? Is that you're trying to guide the couple and their family through this experience that they are completely uninitiated in so that they they do things right. They do things well. They, they look like they know what they're doing. They can enjoy themselves. They can feel comfortable. They don't offend anybody in their family or their friend network. Exactly. 
and they can have a great experience and look back on it on the other side and go, wow, that was awesome. That was amazing. I'm so glad we did that. You're, whether it's a State Department dinner or a wedding, it's functionally the same thing that you're doing as a certified protocol expert in the State Department you, you're doing as a wedding planner in the luxury space right now. Exactly. It's the same title. Just, well, it's the same job, different title, I guess, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, and it is it is so interesting because also both of those situations, they they cannot tangibly see them until they occur. And so there's no showing them. There's just teaching them how to behave in each different type of scenario, right? Because you don't know what you're going to be encountering. And sometimes those family dynamics in a wedding, they don't uncover themselves until you get midway through the process, right? You you didn't anticipate something happening. And so now you need a little bit of guidance on on how to handle it and how to navigate it and um, and how to come out on the other side kind of unscathed. Well, and, and this is what's so fascinating for me and why I have you on the podcast today is because most wedding pros aren't certified protocol officers. <laughs> In fact, I've never met another one who is. <laughs> <laughs> which means that which means that most wedding professionals are not trained and skilled and experienced in the arts of how to handle difficult situations or how to handle tough conversations or how to handle stressful situations with, you know, elegance. Um, so I want to spend today's episode talking about what it is that you see from your perspective as a planner and, and recommendations that you can make for wedding pros who are listening to improve their communication skills or the way that they represent themselves through their personal brand um, even grooming in attire, which you and I have talked quite a bit about, um, because it's so important. That's that first look that people have that first impression. I, I was just talking with um, a client of ours who I did a website review for, and you know, my recommendation was to not wear jeans in your in your photo. You know, like e- even though you're at a certain level and maybe not in a spot where you're working with clients who are wearing tuxedos, they don't want to see you wearing jeans on the wedding day, and if they see that on your website, they may believe that that's something that you might do um, when it comes to their wedding. So these little things people are paying attention to Mm -hmm. sometimes go overlooked by the professional because they just don't know or they don't have that perspective. So I want to share some of those insights that you've gathered because you've been doing wedding work for 15 years, 20 years now? 20 years, Sam. 20 years. I'm old. I'm like a thousand years old in like wedding years, you know? I'm older than you. You know, what does that make me? How long have you been in wedding? Uh, 20, 2006. So this is, I'm going into my fort, my, my 18th year, 19th year, 18th yeah. year. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah, bring it to my 18th year. It's fine, friend. Neither of us have hair. I know. <laughs> if we don't, we, be, we started to look alike. Oh, I know. And also all this gray. A lot of gray in the beard. It's like a little rough. I saw a picture the other day from like 2016 and I was like, oh, this has been rough. 2020 was the year of the gray. It's- it was. It was a lot. Well, there's a lot of navigation. <laughs> and a lot of navigation that you have. Yes. But so, yeah. so tell me, so so let's talk about some of the things that, that you've seen over the years. And, yeah. you know, because you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I'm curious what, you know, when you think about client management mm-hmm. and, and the work that you do as a planner, it provides a lot of oversight and direction for, other people who are working on your team, vendors, downstream vendors that mm-hmm. that are really you know running the plays that you're planning out, you're quarterbacking. 
And and you've seen all sorts of wedding pros do all sorts of things with the same deliverable needed. You know, photographers deliver photographs, but there's a lot of ways to get there. Videographers deliver wedding films, but there's a lot of way to get there. Floral designers design flowers, but there's a lot of way to get there, et cetera, et cetera. What are some of the the mistakes that you think that people are making with client management as they guide their client through the journey from they just got hired to the wedding day or or post wedding day if they have duties responsible after that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I break up those different parts of the process into kind of three different sections, right? So we can talk about them in three different sections. The first is obviously client management pre-event, right? Then there is actual event day and execution. And then there's post-event and deliverables. Communication is key. Let's just Mm -hmm. start there. Because communicating and, and really understanding how you should communicate with your client and then also the planner is is where I see people get into trouble. Right. Yeah. And I think it's it's where you have to be mindful of all the players. And I think that's something that the protocol school really ingrained in me is you really have to survey who is in the field, right? And who are the players? Because a lot of the time you're only speaking to someone who's the decision maker, but not the implementer, right? Or you're speaking to the implementer and not the emotional decision maker. And so there's lots of different pieces. And I think that's the best place to start, right? Is to to step back and look at all of the players and ensure that you are communicating with each of them in the correct manner. And sometimes you don't, it's a first time, right? Like maybe it's your first time working with a planner in a different kind of space, right? Maybe you're in the the middle of the the pack and you're looking to move into the luxury space and you are getting kind of you've had a dream planner and you want to work with them, right? But you you're used to not communicating with planners who are maybe full service. <laughs> and right. so you don't realize, oh, you need to loop them in to the conversation, right? Or if you are communicating with the client, the planner always needs to be looped in to the conversation. And I think it's 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 a phone call, honestly, right? And I think people make that mistake a lot. Um, they just dive right in and they they go directly to the client and they bypass the planner. And so I think that just creates some animosity kind of right out the gate. Well, you know, I, it's funny that you, that you bring this up because I was thinking at that last, the last thing that you said, I was like, this is like parenting. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, when you go from parenting by yourself to parenting with another person, like when say some, you know, maybe, you know, the, the your spouse is gone for a vacation or a work trip and like you're single parenting it, you're used to doing it on your own. But then when the parent comes back, you realize that like, there's two of you there, you have to work together and you're working on the same team and communication between the two of you is way more important than, than it is if you're just by yourself. Yeah. And, and I, and I do think that a lot of wedding pros get used to running their own business doing it their way, having their workflow that works for them and and their clients, but then they forget, oh, wait, now I'm on a team and the planner is the one who's actually the leader of this group of people that's working towards getting a great experience for these clients. And so I need to be deferential. I need to loop them in. I need to sometimes ask for permission or direction. 
A hundred percent. And that's, that's part of what you're doing. That's part of the client experience you've got to create. It is. And it's about communication. And I think it's about, for me, it's about more than an email, right? Because I'm a little old school in terms of pick up the phone and let's call, let me mm. talk, you know, let's talk, let's learn how, learn how you communicate, how I communicate, what my expectations are, what your expectations are. And if those are all laid out on the table, then half the battle is gone, right? It's just a call. And I think a lot of pros are very hesitant to get on the phone and have a conversation in that way. They love an email. And I, the planners hate email. I like, don't need another word email. Fucking email. Like no more emails, friends. Okay. Just pick up the phone and call me and let's get it done. You know, and if you need to send an email to recap that conversation, great for your own self, you know, but just call, you know, it just, it cuts through it so much faster and it gets to the heart of the matter so much faster. And I think so much of this job has become computer focused and and we forget a little bit about connecting with people and and how to speak to people and um and how to work out a problem in in a conversation you know and that's something that that applies not just with planners but with clients too right pick up the phone absolutely pick up the have more conversations do zoom bring everybody in stop all the emailing right i mean i don't know anybody who looks forward to email they're like you know what i think about when i think about positive experiences in my life joyful momentous celebratory experiences opening up my email and sitting down and reading and typing i know zero people who love that but what I know about people is they love connecting with other people and talking and collaborating and working things through in real time. Mm-hmm. So what, what advice do you have for wedding professionals who are working with clients? Should they do the same thing of picking up the phone more? Is it best done with a regular meeting? You know, how, how does how does somebody navigate that? You know, non-planner, if I'm, I, we have a lot of photographers or stationers or floral designers, how do they do that client management through communication directly. Yeah. I mean, and everybody has a different way of doing it, right? Like whether you're going through a planner or you're not going through a planner. And so I think it's about making each meeting really count, right? I think it's about being intentional. If you're the florist, you're only getting X number of meetings, right? You're only maybe going to get three meetings. You're maybe going to meet the client in the middle. Maybe you're going to... Um, do the prototype and then you're going to see the client on the day and that may be it and the rest of it is going to be email and so I think it's about making those those meetings very intentional and having a agenda for those meetings and going in with a plan and being on the same page as your other team members and so that's that's one right and then two is like photo or video where you have a workflow and you're like okay this is my workflow and this is how I do it and da 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 and then maybe the client doesn't like your workflow, right? Because I think that that's the most important thing is about being flexible with your workflow. We were talking right before this about working in um, luxury, the luxury hotel space, right? Which we have both done. And so in luxury hotels, if someone comes up to the front desk and they say, I want this done, then you do it right now. Whatever that might be. Drop you your question. You say yes. And don't ask any questions. Just do it, right? Like, Or find someone who can do it if you don't know how, right? And then learn how to do it so that the next time you can do it, okay? I say this with my team all the time about bow ties. Like, if you cannot tie a bow tie, you cannot work for me, 
That is like, that's a basic thing. You will never come back. And so it's just about learning how to do those things and making each thing count. And I think having a plan for how those meetings should go and getting the planner on the same page so you and the client together are all moving in the correct direction is is really the most important thing. Sometimes, I would say in the beginning of the process, planners like to gatekeep. Like, it's how you build well, This is our client and we're going to protect them and we're not letting you talk to them and all those things, right? But I think the more relationship that you build with a planner, they will trust you more to maybe release those reins a little bit so that you can have a conversation with the client and so that you can make sure that you're the right personality match and that you you can ask politely to speak to the client, you know? And sometimes it works and sometimes it's not going to work. But when it does work, you have to make it really, really count and you have to be so intentional. You know, so I'm in this applied behavioral economics program and we were talking about peak experiences that you can create for your client and that humans love surprises and delights. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to be either satisfied, you want them to be delighted. And a lot of that comes through the uh, having a joyful experience that's unexpected. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I think as wedding professionals, we have this a massive amount of time where we are managing the client journey from the moment that they sign a contract to the actual wedding day that for so many wedding pros is completely wasted because there's such an opportunity to do better than what is expected, which is really not much. Like if you're a photographer or a floral designer, the client is thinking, okay, all this person needs to do is deliver amazing photographs after the wedding is over. Or if you're a floral designer, all they have to do is, you know, do beautiful designs on the day of the wedding or a cake maker or, or venue or whatever it is. But that's where the beauty of client management comes in is that you have all sorts of opportunities between the contract being signed and the event date where everything you do that is above and beyond the expectations is that surprise and delight. And because the expectations are so low, you could do anything you wanted to that was a little bit more than, than the average or the expectation. And it's going to be a great takeaway. I'll give you an example. So I, I, I read a lot of websites all the time, and I'm sure you, you do too, Julian, especially from photographers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, on there, they say things like, I do a limited number of weddings every year so that I can take care of the clients that I do have. And then those very same photographers will have a client journey that consists of emailing out a questionnaire that... To me. To me. Oh, to, to, the, to the planner to send over to the client or, or directly to the client themselves. And mm -hmm. they fill this out so that I can put together my timeline, so that I can get my shot list, so that I can know X, Y, and Z. But here's the thing, it, and I'm sorry if I feel like you're being called out if you're listening to this, but like you don't get to call yourself luxury and high touch with a client journey if you're sending out questionnaires. No. High touch is picking up the phone and walking the client through or having a conversation with the planner to go, hey, I need 30 minutes to make sure I knock it out of the park on the wedding day. I need to get you for... A call can we do that and then going through the same questions but in real time like a human to a human experience rather than having the email do the work for you that that's just one of like 946 different examples that i could give and i know you could too but i want to talk a little bit about that like what are some things julian that that grade on you or you see as missed opportunities that 
you know, vendors that you work with, uh, you know, leave out for that surprise and delight experience? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think gifting is a huge myth at the moment. And I think a lot of vendors feel like their gifting is going to occur on the wedding day or it's going to occur like after the wedding, right? But that doesn't set anyone up for success on the front side, right? Because I think the mentality has been that you under-promise and over-deliver, right? And then that sets you apart, okay? You're going to under-promise and over-deliver, under-promise and over-deliver. And that's like how everyone has been operating. But I think that there is actually a space where you do a few of these little things like sending an initial gift and um and can we call people out on here and like salute them in some ways and a positive one i've no a positive one i want to say a really positive one so so my own wedding my own wedding i um we booked abby jew right to do our photographs and it's so rare that it happened doesn't happen for my clients that a photographer sends a gift like almost right away in the client journey okay and so i'm not going to give away her secrets of what she sent but it was awesome and it just like it just set the tone right Mm -hmm. and then she set the tone like at the beginning and then you have great communication all the way through she wants to get on a call with you and it's amazing abby you're the best and then you get like post-wedding and another gift shows up before your photos show up and i was like whoa this is like next level and it it just reminded me of the way that we do our gifting right like i will give an example julian lieber event this is what we do we give a client gift in the beginning of the process once you've signed we give another gift on the day of the wedding And then we give a gift six months later, right? And that's how our gifting is structured. And so it it takes you through the journey. And each of those gifts, I will say, it's been an evolution, right? You have to think about what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. And we used to do a a way less customized gift. And now everything is like hyper-customized. And I will tell you, when we switch from less customized to hyper-customized, like the response is like off the chart. It's so and different. It's, it's so different. It's so different. Because people feel like you have, like you've heard what mm. is important to them in life and you have customized a gift to meet that interest or that, that need that they have yeah. rather than just like, here's a bottle of champagne or exactly. here's a exactly. Starbucks gift card. Exactly. It's just a little, it's more personal. And so it's unexpected. And so it, it moves the bar in that under promise over deliver kind of space and it moves it over here to the right and it like gets emotional with it because this is the thing about under promise over deliver is that if if everyone if everyone in the wedding is under promising and over delivering then it gets lost Mm. it is not impactful anymore because everyone is doing the same thing so to stand out from that scenario, you you have to do something a little bit different. You have to think outside of the box. Yeah, and and I you know I, I couldn't agree more, Julian, because I I hear from a lot of people 
you know, I talk with like photographers a lot, again, videographers, same thing, um, about under promising over delivering. And I ask people, I'm like, okay, like how are things going with your business? Maybe not so good, or they want to level up, or they're not able to charge the prices since they increased their rates. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go through and figure out what's going on. One of the things that I do is I go and I look at the actual packages and pricing that they offer. And I'm like, okay, it's the value proposition balanced. You know, if I am a groom to be, uh, or I'm looking from the bride's perspective and I'm looking at their offers next to other people's offers, do I feel like this one is worth more than the one that's less expensive? Because at the end of the day, that's what most wedding pros have a struggle with. They're like, oh yeah, they went with somebody cheaper, but did you create more value for the person so they'd be willing to charge higher prices? The answer is almost always no. And when I dig in and I find out why, it's because they don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. Mm-hmm. They're worried about their ability as a professional to meet the expectations if they set them too high. So they lower the bar to underpromise and overdeliver. You and I, Julian, we worked in hotels and we knew what it was like to have a director of marketing or a general manager breathing down our necks, especially when it came to budgeting. And so what did, what did we oftentimes do to make our jobs easier? We sandbagged. Always. Always sandbagged, right? I'm just going to put this folder over here and I'm not going to turn it until next quarter. That's, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and not get back to them right away so that maybe I can, I can stretch it out. Like we're recording this, you know, at the end of a month right now, but tomorrow is a new month. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I'll save that deal to close until tomorrow so that I can yep. get jump start on next month. Right. Yep. Exactly. And that is into the- next quarter or Hey, let's, let's, let's extend this contract negotiation. That's right. You do that intentionally to make your job easier, right? But is but is it better for the company? No. No. Is is it better for the client? No. No. And and so I feel like what a lot of wedding pros are doing, especially when they feel like they're over their skis, like they're in uh, a level of success that maybe they are worried that they can't keep up with, that they sandbag the client journey. They decide to underpromise so that they don't have to meet higher expectations. But I will tell you that the hallmark of luxury is surprise and delight. It doesn't mean that you have to offer a baseline low level of service to surprise and delight. You should set the bar high and deliver even higher. Higher, 100%. And That's if you, wants. Yeah, and if you set the bar so high and then they are like blown away, then it's like you have a client for life, you know? And you have a client who is literally going to recommend you to every single person they know. And this business is all about relationships. It's only about relationships, right? It's about relationships and doing what you say you're going to do. And that's pretty much it, right? But And that's the base level of just doing what you say you're going to do, right? And you should going, you'd bag that. That, you like should that, sandbag that process. You Absolutely should sell at a high level and then you should follow through at an even higher level. Exactly. And you should challenge yourself to raise the bar to that level. Why aren't you? Right? Because you have the time. You have the time to do it. And if you don't have the time to do it and you are charging that much, you need to hire someone to do it. That's exactly so right. You either need to hire it out or do it yourself. And so that I think is is the main takeaway in terms of what are things that you are doing to sabotage yourself when it comes to to the client experience. It's it's you're just selling yourself short constantly. 
I want to I want to talk about grooming and attire, and I want to sit on the wedding day. I, I know we could get into grooming and attire uh, with pre meetings or zooms, especially that's a big issue that I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but I want to talk about specifically on the wedding day because I know you mentioned like pre wedding day, wedding day, post wedding day, client. Yeah. So I want to move the conversation to wedding day, and I want to focus on grooming and attire. What is it that people should look to wear? on the wedding day how do they know what they should be wearing for clothes for shoes all of that yeah i mean you shouldn't be wearing nothing but black okay like literally this is not even a conversation sam if you are not wearing black you're not wearing the right clothes like let's just start there and it should fit you and it shouldn't look like a caftan. It shouldn't look like a suit that hasn't been pressed. It shouldn't look like a pair of workout pants, right? I mean, I think there's different there's different standards, obviously, for different parts of the industry, okay? So when, when we're talking to florists that are doing setup and, like, putting things on, like, in the ceiling, that's a different kind of outfit, right, than, like, a photographer or a videographer, but I think even those getting ready outfits and and setup outfits can be very chic and elegant, right? It it is as much as just buying a a nice black windbreaker and having your logo embroidered on it so that everybody looks the same in your situation. It's having black t-shirts or whatever your company color t-shirts are that are branded and so that everyone appears in the same the same way this is a team and we're here together and we're very organized it's not some hodgepodge situation and you as the business leader that is your responsibility to communicate that and i think where that that is sometimes difficult is with floral companies um because they bring in all of these people from from other parts of the country sometimes to put floral together right you have designers that maybe aren't 100 percent part of your team all the time but they're coming in but it's it's really up to you to set that standard and so that the workplace looks very professional and very sleek and the through line is all the way through and i think us as planners we do a lot of work to communicate to everyone what the dress code of the events are right and we communicate that to the vendors it's on the timeline it is it's on all the invitations that are sent out ahead of time, right? It's It should be very clear what the outfit is and you as the professional should rise to that level. Is it cocktail? Perhaps you should be a slightly above that, that level, right? Is it black tie? You should be like the most black tie possible. So it's about challenging yourself and putting yourself in the client's shoes and blending into the background. You should never be in a situation where you stand out or there's a whole group of people and then oh there's a photographer who's wearing like a red dress you know and you need to stand out and you or you need to stand in right and you need to blend in and you need to be able to move effortlessly through the party without drawing attention to yourself and so that that, like you should basically look like a guest at the event absolutely you should look like a guest at the event while still being able to do your job Okay, so I will say that like it doesn't have to be a dress that like you can't move in or you can't shoot in or you can't kneel on the ground in or any of those things. You have to come up with some situation where you can still do your job effectively, but that you match what the guests are wearing. Mm -hmm. 
So obviously this applies to anybody who's in, you know, uh, a space where people are wearing cocktail attire. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, weddings are dressy occasions. They are. You have to be in their best. Right. Do you think that somebody who's in the mid market where, you know, still the, you know, the families and the attendees are wearing suits and dresses, do you think that they need to dress down or it's okay to dress down? Or would you recommend that they're still dressing up looking like they could attend the event or, um, or, or, or at least, um, you know, attend a cocktail party? Yeah, I think they should dress up. I think that they should, should elevate themselves. You know, I think even if your brand is like cheeky and funny and a little off kilter, um, and and that's your shtick. You should still look like you belong there, right? They didn't just hire you for your personality. They hired you for a level of professionalism that they can trust and know. And also that you never know who is at that event, who maybe doesn't fit in at that lower cocktail level and they're more black tie person and then when they get married they saw your professionalism there always 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 be selling like that is the number one number one number one thing if you are at an event that is a sales exercise and so you should always be on your very 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 best because you don't know where your next client is coming from there could be a wedding planner that's attending that event one million percent maybe wants to hire somebody like you in the future and they're watching you work yeah, and it may not, not be the wedding planner. It may be the the next client, right? But then their new wedding planner, maybe they use some other wedding planner, right? And then they bring you along and the, the planner's like, no, like absolutely not. They're, this is not going to work. Even if the photos are beautiful, it doesn't match the level of, of what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. And and I, I a couple of things you mentioned before, like you understand they still have to do their work. Um, and you also mentioned that there's like the prep and then there's the, you know, the, the, the other times, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that there is an opportunity for a costume change. I've worked with you at events. I've seen you at events. You are not wearing a tuxedo at every single one of your events from six in the morning until two in the morning. You're wearing a tuxedo when it matters, but you're still wearing something nice. If I think I remember you right, you had like a zip up three quarter or something like that with mm-hmm. the JLE logo on it. Yeah. Like during the prep and the setup you know, early in the morning and then you might change into something where there's like a blazer in the afternoon when more guests are around and people are coming in and then you're going to go put the black tie jacket on when it's go time. Absolutely. And it just depends on where we are, right? Like this last weekend, we were in the Bahamas. So there was no way of wearing pants, okay? Because there were 9 million degrees outside. And so it's, it's just about being appropriate, right? And also really thinking through for your team what they're going to be doing, right? Because maybe part of your team is going to be just shooting details and they're really never going to be in the front of clients, right? And they're going to be leaving before they even see clients. So maybe that person doesn't have to dress as nicely as you, who is going to be immediately walking into a space where everyone is in black tie attire and shooting and coordinating photos, right? And I think this is the thing too, about etiquette and protocol is that the more confident you feel, the better off your presentation will come. And so clothes can absolutely be an armor and a tool for making yourself feel the most confident and then exhibiting the best service. 
Because if you feel confident and you don't feel out of place and you feel like you can be your best self and you have got it together, then you can really do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like putting a uniform on or putting the the um, the costume on for a role that you're playing. When you Absolutely. That, we, 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 you know, we used to talk about this at the, the resort that I worked at. You know, we were big fans of Disney and how they got into character. And, you know, you were you were playing a part in that dining service and you had a uniform or a, a costume and you had your lines and a role to play and all those different things. As wedding professionals on the wedding day, we have the same thing. When you put that costume on, you slip into that character and that character may have more confidence than you, but that's why you put the costume on. That's why you have the lines. That's why you know what your role is supposed to achieve. I want to I want to just make a mention here of um, how important it is to make sure that the photos you show on your website and in your social media uh, with you working reflect this level of class and sophistication that we're talking about that, that Julian's mentioned over the last few minutes. It's not just enough to have it at the wedding, but you should have the photos of you working at the wedding reflect the same level of success that you want to have for your future business. So make sure that you're, you know, coming through the images of you working with your clients um, or doing behind the scenes work, and and know that it's imp- that the the potential clients or the planners that are looking at referring you are going to be looking at that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about the third stage, Julian, that you mentioned. You talked about pre, you know, pre wedding. It was communication, surprising and delight. It was, you know, giving people more than they ever expected, setting the bar higher. On the wedding day, we need to show up like we're a, a guest of the party. We need to be super professional and and maintain that confidence because people are going to follow that. What about after the wedding? What are some things that you see that work or don't work for client management? Yeah. You know, I think after the wedding, it it almost always, it doesn't matter who the vendor is. It just like falls off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. They're like the wedding's good and I'm good. Bye. Never want to talk to you again. Like you didn't like, no, bye. See you later. Love you. Have a great, have a great life. We'll send you your pictures in six weeks, mm-hmm. you know? And, but that is actually the most important sales part of the process is the fault. Yes. So I think it's like, that's how you get the next client. You guys is that you should be immediately following up with them, right? You should, I mean, preset it. I will give you my secret. I preset it in my email, right? Like it immediately sends an email on Monday that says all the things that I wanted to say that I wrote pre-wedding, right? There's nothing wrong with setting it up that way because you're- When you were tired. When you when I wasn't tired, I wrote the email. (laughs) And then I sent it on the day that I needed to send it because it's about- just staying in touch with them and connecting with them and and communication, communication, communication. This is obviously another place to surprise and delight them later, right? Because for those of you who have deliverables post-wedding, um, there's something that's like super special about being able to actually deliver an additional product after the wedding. It's kind mm-hmm. of amazing. You're so lucky, right? As a planner, I'm like, well, hope you loved it you know i mean there's not much more i can do except for just ensure that like all of the the loose ends are tied up really nicely in a bow and i 
send my gifts and all the things, you know? But for those of you who actually get to send your product after, you're so lucky, you know? You get you can surprise and delight in that space in in so many different ways, photographers and videographers. There's a million different ways to make an incredible impression post-wedding. And I do think it starts with communication, right? It does start with um, and not only a handwritten thank you, but a really like a nice note or a call or setting up a call with the client and just to to get some feedback, you know? And if you're a stationer, right? I, I know a stationer who they do this really cool thing and they send like these little vow books before the wedding and then the couple uses them for their wedding. And it's like, it really is the cutest thing. Um, but what can you do afterward, right? You have all of their paper. You have all of it, right? So what can you do to like make something special for them that's a keepsake for them that they don't have to do themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because stationers, you are, you have the opportunity to have a, like a forever client, right? Because you don't know what other things they're going to do with you. So you have all of these other opportunities to, to gift or to do very, very thoughtful, um, intentional things. I mean, you can frame their, you could frame their invitation, right? It doesn't have to be something that's out of control or, or over the top. It just has to be something that's very thoughtful. Yeah, and and I think that that's really the thing that a lot of people get caught up on is like, what do I do? Uh, you know, we hear from a lot of people like, how do I make this easy and automate it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It's, it's not, not easy, it's and that's, not. Like, that's it, what makes it, sense to impactful. It is impactful. It is not easy. Hire someone if you don't have time. <laughs> like, no, no excuses. It's not easy. It is not easy. It takes time. It takes thought. Sarah and I are always, always, always talking about this well and and it well and sometimes you got to talk it through with other people you do you have to run it by someone else you have to make sure that you're on the right page you have to have a calling that you can trust right when if you're a person that's your own business you're totally solopreneur you do not have an assistant of any kind you don't have anybody else in your business you have colleagues right you have colleagues in the industry you have planners that you work with what would what would be impactful for them? You have to reach out to the people that you know that are in your circle and ask them what what would matter. And it's just about thinking through the end of it. Because if it doesn't wrap up nicely in a tight little bow, then the client is going to remember that. Yeah, well, that's the thing that is so important and why I am love that you brought up the, you know, the post-wedding part of it because people tend to remember the peak experience of whatever it was they just went through, whether it's positive or negative. And they also remember the last experience that they went through where you, it's called the peak end effect or the peak end rule. People remember the peak experience. They remember the end experience or the recency effect is another way of talking about this. And so, you know, when we look back on how was our wedding experience with this vendor, the last thing that happened is probably the one that's going to weigh the most in their memory. And so everybody has that opportunity, like you're saying, to create a wow experience, a surprise and delight and over deliver without much of a bar being set because almost everybody is expecting nothing. The wedding's come and gone. And now, now if you just do something, like you send a little handwritten note, all of a sudden it's amazing. Or if you do a six month gift where even if it's a post on social media or a shout out, happy six month anniversary then then that's that's incredible that's above and beyond 
I, I will say that it, this one study that I read was really impactful for me, and that was looking at the the level of excitement that or joy or or you know uh, happiness that people had before, during, and after their vacation. Mm-hmm. And so the the researchers looked at on a scale of one to five, how happy are you or how how excited are you about your spring break vacation? And the on a scale of one to five, it was a four point six for before the wedding and or before the spring break, anticipating the event mm-hmm. for the actually uh, uh, spring break vacation. They asked them on vacation, how was the vacation going? It was less than 4.6. It was 4.1. People were actually less happy on the vacation than they were looking forward to it. And then after the vacation, they were asked, how much did you like the vacation? How happy did it make you? 4.5. So the, the vacationers were happiest looking forward to the vacation and looking back on the vacation more so than they were on the vacation. I think anybody who's been in the wedding industry knows that most couples are looking forward to their wedding and look back on their wedding with bigger smiles on their faces than they do on their actual wedding when they're kind of stressed out and overwhelmed and not sure where to go and uncomfortable because they're squeezed into certain clothes that they never wear or yeah. or, or whatever it might be. Like a lot of people are just trying to get from one thing to the next on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. But if you are a vendor on the back end of the wedding experience, that's when you have an opportunity to play on that peak end effect that's when you have an opportunity to play on the fact that human beings typically look back on experiences more fondly than they do when they're in the experience. It doesn't matter as much for the client what happens on the wedding day. It ha- it matters more what happens before the wedding than after the wedding, and you have to make an impact in both of those areas. Absolutely. You 100% do. And we have the opportunity to do it. It's just not easy, so we don't. And that's, I think, for 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 me, the, the kind of the big takeaway of this whole thing, this conversation that we're having is that client management, it, yes, is about under-promising and over-delivering. It's also about delivering a higher experience relative to the other vendors that they're working with. Mm-hmm. And because the bar, frankly, is set so low right now with what it is that people are doing, you, as a listener to this podcast, have all the opportunity in the world to create truly wow experiences for your clients because the bar is set so low because they've never done this before. And because a lot of the other vendors that they're working with are not doing very much to create this anticipatory experience or this look back experience that that's going to elevate your brand. This is a huge opportunity for everybody. It's not about what you deliver on the wedding day so much as is before and after and how you do it compared to other people that you're not competing against, but you're being compared with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sam, this is so interesting. We never talk about any of this. We don't. Well, you know, I think that that's kind of gets left to the side. You know, we talk about we you know, I think there's a lot of people that I work with who are focused on how to, you know, attract better clients and how to book better clients and how to get paid more. I hear very few people talking about how to provide more for their clients and how to do it in ways that are not related to the actual tangible product or the direct service that they offer. And, and really, when you want to elevate your business, aside from harassing planners for more referrals, the best thing you can do is create such an incredibly 
positive experience for your actual clients and the people in the decision-making circle that they rave about you to all of their friends and family. And you end up getting word of mouth recommendations from the people who know most, and that's your clients. The best thing you can do for next year's success to attract better clients is to wow today's clients or next week's clients or next month's clients or the client that's getting married in a year that's already signed a contract that is is eagerly looking forward to their wedding mm-hmm. and and you have a chance to make that an even better experience filled with surprises and delights. That's how you get the business. Yeah. And I mean, even it's like it's so simple as a surprise and delight of just having a conversation, like checking in with someone because pre-wedding, everybody wants to talk about their wedding. They want to share all of those things. They're in this most like open oriented state. And, and so it's not, I think I want to, I want to say this too, before we have to end is I want to say it doesn't have to do with spending money on these things. Okay, guys, it has to do with figuring out what can set you apart right and and pre it's maybe an extra phone call in your process that just excites them and makes them so much more excited right and then in the wedding day maybe it's it's doing something where like let's say you're a photographer and normally at this moment in the timeline you would go and you would sit down and you would just take a rest right but instead you're going to like go around the party and take just individual photos of guests that are there so that when those guests get their photos they realize oh my god this person just like took the time to take these extra photos and we have this great photo from this experience right and then in post it's just about maybe another phone call or just a basic email and ask them how did you do right how give me some feedback i'd love to hear some feedback because that is so reinforcing a for you right because we all live I, I always say we're like hashtag children of trauma right and so we love to people please and we want to hear that that information and sometimes we're like oh my god we didn't hear anything but we didn't ask and so it's as simple as sending an email right so none of this has to be expensive you do not have to um spend millions of dollars on on client communication and management you just have to reorient yourself into a more of a service mode Hmm. yeah because at the end of the day we're all in the hospitality business right we are it's all about absolutely are one percent julian thank you for the time thank you for the conversation i know we could talk for hours about this hours we could go on this podcast could be so long that all of you have finished your commute home and you're sitting in your garage But we're going to wrap it up. I want to, a couple of things. So you mentioned, obviously, that you have JLE, Julian Lieber Events, but we also have Dapper Diplomat, that is a brand that you have, and it's specifically related to developing incredible client experiences and elevating your own personal brand. Um, How do people find out more information about Dapper Diplomat? Yeah, so Dapper Diplomat is on Instagram at at Dapper Diplomat and also online at DapperDiplomat.com. And we've got some pretty great content out there for people to consume, little tips and tricks. Yeah, uh, we do. You know, we've also got a workshop that we're doing, and we'll be doing it on January 15th. If you're listening to it before, please check the show notes for more information on it. We'll be going through how to elevate your client experience and also your personal brand so that you can attract better clients without you having to really go out and do it directly. Instead, people are going to come to you like a magnet, and that will help you get the kind of clients that you're going to love and the kind of clients that are going to pay the prices that you deserve. So please check out more information about that. 
Julian, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective as a certified protocol officer and as a wedding planner. Um, your input and expertise is invaluable. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Julian about how to elevate your personal brand. If you're interested in more info, including specific tactics you can put into practice immediately, sign up for our free workshop on Monday, January 15, 2024. We're going to talk about how to present yourself at your absolute best in four key areas, communicating with clients, personalizing services, wedding day experience, and surprises and delights. Everyone who attends is going to walk away with practical tips to improve your own personal brand, make clients feel more comfortable, and give them the confidence to pay the higher prices that you deserve. Check the show notes for a link or visit our Instagram profile and press the link in profile.